There will come a point in your life where your strength will be revealed. It may be in a single moment, or it may be over a prolonged period of time. It may come through a tragedy, an illness, an event, or a decision you are forced to make. Regardless of the circumstances, it will come. This podcast is dedicated to the stories of those who have already revealed their strength. It is meant to inspire you in your own life to persevere. This is Finding Strong, and it starts right now. Right, episode two of Finding Strong. I am Adam Field. With me, our co-host Ryan Bader. What's going on? And today's guest, Seth Bazinski, UFC MMA pro fighter. Thirty-eight fights. Thirty-nine professional. Over forty. Forty professional fights, kickboxing fights, Let's everything. Wait. It wasn't kickboxing. Tremendous story. This guy has a tremendous story um, of overcoming. Where he came from and where he ended up. We're going to get into that in a little bit here in the podcast. But I wanted to open up with, I guess you'd call it a PSA, public service announcement. Let me set the scene. As you two know, I do the mountain like every day. You guys make fun of me like I'm an old man. But when I go out to the mountain and run the mountain, I feel like I'm Rocky Four. Like in my mind, I'm training to fight uh, Ivan Drago. I'm like going up the mountain. I'm ready for the title fight. That's how I feel in my head. So I was out there Sunday running the mountain, got there early, like 7 a.m., and I'm sweating and running. And in my head, I look amazing. I, I pass a guy on the mountain that tries to talk to me, but I don't have time to talk, right? I'm like in the zone. You're it's fighting a, the Russian. I'm yeah. fighting the Russian, right? In like another <laughs> week, I got to hit the top of the hill. Turn around at the end, come back. This guy stops me now. And he goes, he goes, hey, hey, how old are you? So now I'm like, wow, this guy like can't believe how well I'm running because of, I look so good. Like, how old are you? So I'm pumped, right? I'm like, yeah, I'm 45. He's like, yeah. He goes, have you had your prostate exam yet? I'll do it right now. <laughs> I was like, what? You give me his number? He goes, man, you got to get your blood work done every year. And I'm like, where is this coming from? I'm like, yeah, I just had my blood work done. Everything's good. He's like, all right, all right. So then he goes into the story after this for himself. And you don't know this guy. I don't know him at all. What time is it in the morning? Like 7 a.m. on a Sunday. So where I run up in North Scottsdale, it's a lot of older people. So, like, I feel young and vibrant on the hill, even though I'm old to you guys. Like, in that neighborhood, I'm, like, the young guy. But anyway, this guy obviously knew I was older because he asked me my age. I thought because he thought I was running well, but it turned out because he thought I needed a prostate exam. You want to check your prostate <laughs> But I kind of think things happen for a reason. So he goes into this story of this guy that essentially he said at 50, he got married. He said to the smoking hot chick and his life was going really well. And, you know, he's all into her. And he finds out within about three or four years that he has prostate cancer. And then he has to go through all this treatment. He's going into this whole story in the middle of the mountain about how he's impotency and all the side effects Mm -hmm. that go along with this. So his message was, and he wanted me to spread it. And looking at our audience at eight man, he we wanted have you to spread what the message okay. of getting prostate exams, and you know our audience is eighty five percent male essentially is what our audience is as a as a brand as far as clothing what we sell and things like that. So I thought I might as well come on the air with the story and just talk about the prostate examination, the PSA, I guess blood test that he takes. Anyone even know the PSA is is for the cancer? Yeah. It's so. 
And I thought maybe next month, because we would do a cause every month or we do a charitable donation based on one of our shirts, maybe we'll do a prostate cause next month. So that's what I'm thinking. So just wanted to throw that story out there. There you go. Yeah, I just had uh, some family members go through that. They're all good now, but yeah, literally just went through that. I think it's ago. one in nine men will eventually have prostate cancer. Well, that's the thing, too, as far as, you know, this family member got checked yearly, has a yearly physical. Right. And then all of a sudden the PSA levels were up a little bit, went in. Luckily, you know, luckily this wasn't something that was like 10 years brewing, you know, mm. but it was within that year that happened sometime. And then they found it. They went into surgery, treated it, deal with the side effects for a right. little bit, but make a full recovery. But yeah, if you catch it early, a lot of people stubborn, obviously. Especially guys. I never, I don't have it's a doctor a weird at all. Thing. It's right. And then, uh, um, you know, when you let that go for five years, what happens, you know, then. Right. You know, so you got to listen to that guy on the mountain that's saying, let me see your b-hole. Let's go into the world. You, know, <laughs> you got to do it. Uh, my father-in-law is going through treatment right now. Same thing. You know, Tony Grimes, ASU Hall of Famer, yeah. golfer, cool ass, cool ass dude. So I didn't even know that when I brought up the story that you guys both have people in, yep. in the immediate family. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's probably, I have no statistics or anything, but it's got to happen to a lot of men around that age, you know, and right. a lot of people have family members that are going through it, you know, and I've, I have, you know, family members with that. And then on the other spectrum, you know, my mom went through it and all that kind of stuff mm. too, not prostate cancer, but right. the same thing. So, yeah, I mean, I, I uh, definitely uh, um, tell my friends and family to get their blood work done and check right once a year so it turns out i don't look 30 on the mount i look like i'm 55 apparently but yeah you knew that though seth well i was gonna say <laughs> when you're like it's mainly old people i was gonna say blue hairs but i didn't want to hurt your feelings <laughs> oh Peter's already hot he's derobing you know yeah. he takes his shirt off everywhere we go that's why that's why he's not allowed on my boat ever <laughs> he always has better abs than with me. his abs out all the time in the winter he can come so after last week's episode, I don't know what you thought of me, Ryan. Apparently you thought I was going to be terrible on this podcast, so I'm probably going to embellish the story a little bit. We come out of the podcast room, and Bader says to me, wow, you were a lot better than I thought you were going to be on the podcast. Is that what you said? Or you were awesome, you're amazing? I forget what you said exactly. It wasn't that kind of, it wasn't backhanded <laughs> like that. I just said it was a good, you were good, and the podcast setup was good. Like you guys have your, your shit together, right? I, I'm used to going on just podcasts where people just have a, a recorder or whatever. You know, I've been on some obviously good ones, but yeah, I didn't know what to expect. So we've been planning this for like two years, as our audience knows. So it's been a long way in the making. Wow. But in full disclosure to you, what you don't know is I've been doing radio shows and podcasts since I was nine. And we actually found the audio of my original Awesome Adam radio show. And we're going to play it for you right now. So from, you your, get, from your basement? Well, we didn't have a basement, but it's from my Pretty living much. room on a tape recorder. And you can see just in the very beginning, I was awesome already. Let's go ahead, man. You guys, I have this truly awesome bike. It's called a Power Light. And man, you come over there and see Wheaties I Ride Girls Free. So if you are a, bl a blonde, brunette, or redhead, come over to my ba place, baby. And I'll, and I'll show you a good time. <laughs> I always eat pizza for dinner. <laughs> Now, my breakfast is usually cheese crisps, and my lunch is usually yucky lunch. It sucks. Can't believe it. I mean, it's so sucky. Now, hey, here's my dad. He just walked in. Sing a song, Dad. Yes. Hello, hello, hello. Oh, he's cool. Okay. <laughs> this is my little brother laughing. <laughs> what in the world? That was Noah. 
So that's what? why. I so just, you're the younger one? Yeah. Oh, Seth is surprised, but now he's insulting oh, you. Man. I didn't mean to. <laughs> I didn't mean to. So I've been doing these forever. Okay. Apparently, in the beginning, it was just to get girls to ride on my bike, but All right. now we've uh, graduated. Now you've this. abandoned that, and then. Yeah, now it's about. Your voice got substantially better than that <laughs> annoying little kid that was on that mic. I want to know why I always ate pizza for dinner and my breakfast was cheese crisps. Why did my mic just go out? Oh, you're good. Matt's always messing with things over there, making me nervous. You're good. Anyway, that's the story behind that. That's the backstory. All no right. words, you're speechless. No, I mean, it was, uh, yeah, it was good. <laughs> <laughs> Only way to go is up. <laughs> Seth wants to All say right. something. We're going to jump yeah. into Seth's stories right now. The Polish Pistola. <laughs> the Polish Pistola. So Seth grew up in Apache Junction. No. Yes? I, well, I grew up in Queen Valley. I got bussed into Apache Junction. So it's even a smaller town than... Than Patsy for Johnson. schooling, they bust you in. Is yeah, that, I see. And it was like fr- like first through twelfth rode the bus. Right. So now, it was a, it was a, it was a rough yeah. ride to school. <laughs> yeah. You're all on one bus. Yeah, I never got that. When you know the schools that have like yeah third through twelfth grade. I mean right. that's just until you get up there, you're getting just you're gonna get bullied by somebody. Right? Yeah, especially like junior hires versus second or third graders. That's not a good mix. Especially man. a bunch of Hills Has Eyes people coming <laughs> out of the woods, <laughs> going this, to AJ. This is what I'm fascinated with your story because we've talked about where we grew up over on the west side. You claim your neighborhood's much tougher than our neighborhood. But you're surrounded kind of like some of our friends and where we were by alcoholism, drug abuse, things like this. And yet somehow you make your way out of there to become a professional fighter. And I think you told me a story one time where you were at a party or doing something and your uncle or someone came up to you and said, what are you doing here? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. His name, his name was Chris Franks. Um, ironically enough, his, uh, his dad was the sergeant of police, Ellis Franks, for a long time. And uh, I ended up knowing the whole family because I was always on probation <laughs> and doing community service or something. And it was a small town. And... Uh, you know, I, I remember him just coming up and to me and like, we're all, everyone's, you know, doing stuff they shouldn't have been doing. And I was a young kid, you know, I was like 15, 14, 15 years old. And he was just like, you know, like, what are you doing? You know, like, what are you doing here? And I was like, like what, man, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm here every weekend, you idiot. Like thinking, right. and he's like, man, I'm always reading about you in the paper. You're a really good athlete. Like, yeah, you have, you have a, a fucking chance like getting out of here. I mean, look at all these people in 10 years, they're all going to be doing the same fucking shit. And I was just like, and you just really fucked my night up. (laughs) 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 My high is gone. Yeah, It was just like, uh, you know, and for everything I didn't have, like I was so fortunate, like, um, uh, you know, Cecil Finley, he, he ran the fire department. I got in trouble for lighting a huge fire. And uh, I was on probation, doing community service for that. And I was, like, always in that, always in trouble. Like, it was an ongoing joke where I came from. If something happened, it was like, Seth did it. And, like, they were usually pretty right for, the, for the most part, you know. Like, um, so, I, you know, like, just little instances like that. And, you know, like, my, my older brother, you know, he's a multi, multi-time multi felon. Like, he's, he's never going to 
and he's a criminal. Like, you know, I hate to say it because he's my brother, and I, I'm not saying that everyone who's in jail doesn't have a chance to be re- rehabilitated because that's not true. But, you know, he's he's a criminal. If I had, like, one word to describe him, it would be a criminal. Like, um, and, like, he's who I looked up to. And when you grow up in a in a household with, like, that much uh, turmoil and uncertainty all the time, like, uh, I think the, the, the biggest thing that like drew me into sports was because like, you know, I didn't have money, you know, I remember the first week of school, everyone else had nice shoes and shit. And I was always like, man, this shit sucks. You know what I'm saying? Like everyone's looking all fly and I'm over there with last year's fucking Larry birds, you know? Right. And, uh, you know, I just remember the only time I ever felt like not judged or whether, whether it was my own insecurities or whatever was when I was competing. Like that was it, you know? So. And you were football first. That was your main sport. Football, basketball, track. Oh, you did all three. Mm-hmm. My, I, anything not to go home. That was, you it. know, escape. Yep. And you know, I, I ran track to get faster for football. Um, my dad was six, nine. So like every school I went to, every basketball coach was like, you're going to play basketball. And I was good at basketball. I liked it, but I, I just was more drawn to football. I like, I liked the physical sport and I was more like a Dennis Robin player anyway. Like I was pulling people's jerseys. I was tackling people. I was just getting after it, getting rebounds. And, and, uh, you know, once I found football and, it was just like more or less like now that I look back, I couldn't articulate it at the time because you're just trying to survive every day and you're just you're just working through stuff that that kids in a nice home take for granted or don't even realize what they have like food. Like I would go to school just to eat sometimes like we didn't have shit, you know, we didn't have yeah. nothing. And, you know, you're you're working through all that. So like. I didn't really have have a a reason why I always wanted to compete, but looking back, it was because I just didn't want to go home. Like, did the sports so keep you out of like addiction circles and things like this? You could have fallen. It's my coping mechanism. I didn't realize it at the time, right? But it, it was it was the only thing. Like you know, my parents my parents were my dad was working all the time. My mom, you know, she was fighting her own demons, and it was a, uh, you know, I could do whatever I wanted. Like other kids had to be home at nine. Like I didn't have to be home. Like I, I, I stayed home and went to bed because I wanted to get up and go to school and I wanted to practice and be good at practice. Like, and it was like when, when your brother and everyone in your family's like, you know, my brother robbed someone's house the next day and he'd go to jail and then all the kids would be like, yo, why'd your brother rob my dad's house? I'd be like, that's a, it's a great question, great question. <laughs> you know? Uh, so when, when you grow up like that, like I didn't realize it at the time, but it was just like, that was how I dealt with it. And that two hours a day or, or whatever it was when I was working out, like I wasn't that poor kid and I wasn't, you know, I wasn't the kid that was probably going to end up like his older brother and, and be in jail. Right. I wasn't, I was, you know, the wide receiver or yeah. I was the, the basketball player. And, and, you know, you grow up your whole life where everyone, everyone's always saying negative things. And, you know, a lot of them were self-inflicted. 
Um, but no one ever said nothing. It was just about how much effort you put in. And, uh, you know, even though my dad wasn't the best dad, he did the best with what he could. He had, he had five kids to take care of and just not always there all the time. Right. Yeah. He just worked, he worked all the time, you know? And so you, your, was your brother the role model kind of for a while until you realized, Hey, I don't really want to go down this path and that kind of got you into sports and everything else on top of it. You just talked about kind of going that route. Yeah. It was just like, uh, it was my brother. He's my older brother. So I always looked up to him. I always wanted to be around him, but he was always up to no good. Like he was always like stealing something. He'd come up with like elaborate, like plots to like argue with one, my brother in the corner while I was pocketing stuff. And it was, it was always bad. And, um, you know, once I got into sports and like people were like, Oh, you're good. You're good. You know, like th- that felt good because it was positive interactions with people. Right. And then it was like, that was the only time I was like free. I wasn't worried. I didn't have uncertainty. I didn't have anything else to worry about. I was just you were working a, out. Yeah. You're on a team. Everybody mm-hmm. treated you with respect and didn't matter where you came from, whatever. Yep. Uh, you, do you have a relationship with your brother now? No, I don't talk to him. Um, I talk to him maybe, you know, once, once or twice. It, it's it's hard, man. When you got someone that's been incarcerated as long as he has, with with his personality, yeah, it's like I realized a long time ago I, I wasn't his brother anymore. I was just the next person or the next opportunity, mm. and you know, it's unfortunate, but that's what it is. Like you wouldn't, if he was out, you wouldn't trust him to come stay at your house or I mean I let him come to my house I wouldn't let him stay there but yeah. I let him come to my house because I ain't gonna let nobody take shit out of my house yeah. so like, I ain't worried about it but yeah. I definitely wouldn't let him house sit for me yeah I gotcha how do you transition then from high school sports into fighting because you didn't really have a fighting background you didn't wrestle or anything you know I, I was I, in my mind growing up I was gonna play wide receiver in the NFL and make a shitload of money like that was my thing and uh once I started getting older and I started realizing some of my limitations, you know, my mom had like a sixth grade education at best mm. and my dad was working. So like when I went home, like we didn't do homework. We didn't. So I realized like about 10th, 11th grade, like, man, you're way behind. And I, for, for like a year, I was, I was coming up with schemes on how to cheat on the SAT. Like I, was, <laughs> I was really giving it my best shot. And then once that kind of settled in and, uh, and I realized I wasn't going to go play D1, and I got out into the regular workforce, um, you know, I, I was just like, man, like I, this can't be what I worked, wanted to grow up so fast for. Yeah. Like going to a job, having some asshole – like talk down to you or be a dick to you because you're in that position and I'm in this position punching the clock. Yeah. It's like, you know, in my mind, it's like nobody said when they were five years old, like, what do you want to do? Like, I want to work construction. Like, no, nobody said that. So we're all, we're all doing a job we have to do to make a living. Why not everyone just get along? That's that's what I always thought. And then it was just kind of like, um, you know, drinking, living life. And then, I was getting out of shape and my buddy little B started fighting and he kept telling me, man, come, come check this out or whatever. Come check this out. And I was like, yeah, whatever, you know? And I went and checked it out. And I, once I fought like one time, 
it was just kind of like I said I would, and then I had to do it. Did yeah. you train at all? Or you just go in there no. and fight somebody? I, I walked in, and anyone knows Roland Sahara. He's like a, he's like the gypsy of MMA, like. Yeah, and I use that in a derogatory term. So if you're a gypsy, don't take it a bad way. Uh, but he's just real slick uh, and, and real, real tricky, slippery dude. And I walked in the gym, and he's like, "You're ready to fight this week." And I was like, "I am." So I, I fought like a week later or something. Seriously? Yeah, got choked out in 56 seconds. Oh, shit. Ryan Potter. Yeah, I was so I was so fucking nervous. Right. I walked out. No joke. I walked out and there's like a, a like a WWE entrance like with this cage and this fog and shit and I walked right by it and I was like that's cool who's that for is for me <laughs> and it was like <laughs> and I blew the whole thing yeah. it was you know but it, I just felt so like there's nothing in my life that made me feel like that so alive you mean and like alive like. Hate the nerves and love them at the same time, and yeah, it was just like that comes with it. There, there wasn't like that. Like you're just going to a RTO Sullivan's, talking shit about so and so, or trying to get in this girl's pants. Like it, all that shit was just like, man, this sucks. Like this is not what I really want. Like this is what I wanted to be an adult so bad for. And then once I found that, I was just like, man, like this is all I wanted to do. And then I think also, too, is, like, I miss that camaraderie of having friends and teammates. And uh, and once I got – once I started getting into a gym and Everyone's having that productive, old – trying to do something Yeah, good. having that old camaraderie, like, with your friends, your, your, your football players, your basketball players. Like, he's working out, getting ready, so mm-hmm. I'm working out. And, like, you're always doing something good. And it's like you, you become, like, a part of this little group, yep. you know, and – I think that was the biggest thing that drew me in. But once I did it one time, I was just like, I don't know what that was. I didn't know what fighting was. All I know is I wanted to do it all the time. You were hooked. And then how long is the process then from not knowing anything till you make it all the way up to like the UFC? Well, fortunately for me, it was so new. Um, not a whole bunch of people knew a lot, you know. It was just new. Shoot, I remember, I think I was at your first fight, Cliff Castle. Yeah. He fought some dude with a ponytail. Yeah, we told that last time. <laughs> was that the, he was awesome. in the eye. Hey, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that dude wore a rash guard when he fought. That's he what did. Because he. he said that, yeah. Hey, I know a pecker would when I see one. Because yeah. of my brother, and that dude probably had some derogatory tattoos on. He was, yo, he was real gnarly. I remember seeing him smoke a SIG, like he was just smoking a SIG. So this is during the specialist days where this guy's jujitsu and this guy's yeah, a I mean, wrestler. Everybody's kind of covered. Because I was watching, you know, when we started fighting too, you know, Seth was pretty advanced as a striker. And we were watching him in Rage in the Cage and all that, mm-hmm. you know, and he was kneeing guys and, and having back and forth fights, you know. And at that time, we were purely wrestlers. You know, we were going in there like, oh, I think I'm going to strike. And then you started getting punches thrown and we just take people down, you know. So that it was kind of in that. Right, the beginnings of MMA, and uh, you know he started before us, you know, and then and was on the Ultimate Fighter. We went there twice. Twice, right? Yeah, I was in the IFL. The IFL and all that. Don Fry, you know, choked out Matt Brown. You know the whole deal. So, you know, coming from like we always have that. All right, we're elite level athlete in a, a. sport that transitions into MMA, right? Mm-hmm. Wrestling, it's a base. It's one I 
feels one of the best spaces right. to go into it, right? You know, Seth came into it from basketball and football. Which, yeah, yeah, that's what's interesting. Athleticism <laughs> tra- translates, but it's not like he was out there learning, you know, a wrestling or jujitsu or, or boxing. He just started it from scratch, which usually doesn't do. Yeah, especially do like you well, you know? years old starting, right? Hey, look, it, it was it was literally one of the toughest, like mentally and physically, is for one coming to terms like, hey, if I don't learn how to stop these wrestlers. They're going to wipe the mat with me every single time. Because, I mean, there's dude, there's like a guy, and then there's like a dude that's been wrestling his whole life when he grabs you. It's different. Like, you're not getting away. You know, like, and it hurts. Like, they just slam you. It's like you just feel so helpless. And I remember the first time I felt that, it was in the IFL against Brett Beauparlant. He's from Canada. I got a fight of the night bonus. Um, It was a good fight. I almost knocked him out a few times. But it was it was clear to me, like, dude, like, if you really want to do this, like, you need to learn how to wrestle. And I started training with these guys. We used to go to ASU. It was Robbie Lawler, Ben Askren, Ryan Bader, C.B. Dalloway, Eric Larkin, Aaron Simpson. Oh, my. Yeah. And me. Man. You're going to learn to wrestle quick was, with that crew. Dog, I was driving my Pontiac Grand Dam, the old silver bullet. I was driving it home <laughs> four times a week, like. What the fuck? Am I, like, <laughs> what am I doing? What am I doing in my life? Like no radio on, just literally all the way home. Like, am I too old to join the army? Oh man! What about deadliest catch? That seems cool. Like, 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 literally having these battles every day, and then just saying, "Dude, just, just hang." I, I remember going like two months without a takedown. Like, oh, they're just whooping your ass every day. And then the the younger dudes would come in, like yeah. off vacation or whatever, and they would see me with them, so they would think like. Oh, this dude's ears are messed up. He knows how to wrestle. Psych. <laughs> After about nine dumps, they'd be like, boom. And they'd be like, hey, dude, you're all right. <laughs> I'd just be like, yeah, I'm good. Like, and like as pure wrestlers, too. Yeah. There's no like in MMA, like if you know a guy can't really wrestle, you're like going with them. You're like being kind of easy, like pure wrestlers. If they're just wrestling. They just want to beat your ass They're the going to just time. try to, yeah, just annihilate you every single takedown, every single minute. How long did you do that for? Before you learn to wrestle some. Oh, I, I, I just CB pretty much like mopped the entire gym with me a week and a half ago. Oh, shit. Like it still happens. Well, it's, all, it's, a pro- it's always a process, right? Yeah. You know, and just like wrestlers learning how to strike, right? Right. It's never, I mean, and still learning MMA wrestling for us, you know, so it's never, it's a never ending process. And I think that's what we like about the sport also. You know, it, there are so many facets where we can get bored with one. Try something else. You know, I'm going to focus on this. I'm going to focus on that. I'm getting burnt out. I'm focusing back back on this, you know, and, but it's always evolving process. And there was no blueprint, man. There was no blueprint. And a lot of the guys, like when I started, there's not a lot of them, them dudes still fighting, but the ones that are, they usually started with like a wrestler base and then they turned into a striker. And, and like, so if they started with jujitsu, they got good at strike, like, Everyone starts evolving rapidly, and you have to because you know we don't we don't lose by three points. Like you get your face kicked in yeah. in front of everybody. So, um, you know, it, it was just so new. It was just it was just such a new sport, and it was it was just like literally all I wanted to do. Do you think when you grow up with the negativity a little bit around you and feeling less than at school, are you still motivated by that? Is that what the fighting is about? Like you're motivated to prove everyone wrong? 
Oh, absolutely. I still, to this day, like, I remember my my parents would always be like, stay in the car. And, like, we never had an AC. And that shit was hot. And I remember I'd always be like, damn, man, I want to go inside. I got AC. I'd just be, like, sitting there sweating. And i get out of the car. And I still remember the way people would look at us, like, you know, like, look down on us. Yeah. And I'd be like, freak you looking at like you know like right. you know i'm just standing here yeah. like i still remember that like and um you know it puts a little chip on your shoulder too but the older you get the more you realize too it's it's, it's a lot of your perception so like they may they may not even be thinking what you think they're thinking yeah so. but it is your perception life's all your perception mm-hmm. so i mean but it definitely it definitely always put a a, a chip on my shoulder and uh made me want to work hard and it was it was evident to me at a young age, like I wasn't gonna get nothing unless like I prayed I would walk into a bag of money for years and it never happened. And then one day I was like, dude, you gotta freaking start figuring this out. You know, you gotta work hard for everything you Well, got. that's the key we just said though. You can either be motivated to be better because of that, or some people go the other way. They just feel like everyone hates me, everything's against me. It's it, always gonna be this way. It's dude, it's it's you know. I wish I had some divine intervention, uh, uh, how I turned out this way, but you know, so many of my friends were good people and they just at the wrong place and, and got caught doing something that at that age, a lot of people did. And, you know, when I was coming up, when I graduated, I mean, the pill epidemic started, right. I mean, babies were dying, like young kids are dying all the time. And, it, it's it's so hard not to get caught up in that, and and I believe this wholeheartedly. I believe like uh, um, motivation and, and momentum. Like everyone thinks as momentum is is going up, mm-hmm. but momentum can go down too. Like mm-hmm. if you go out and drink like on a Friday night, and you're hungover, and you feel like shit the next day, so you go get drunk drink again. You drink again, right? And then. Pretty soon, yeah, that's two nights a week. And then mm-hmm. then you find out, man, I spent three hundred dollars. They got they got fifty cent drinks on Thursday night. So that's three nights a week. Mm-hmm. So momentum can go the other way too. It can it can drag you down. Yeah. And uh I've always thought that like, you know, it can go either way, you know, and like some people get caught going out having fun, doing stuff, and then before they know it, they they drive home drunk, crash their car and it just keeps snowballing. And you don't snowballing. have a car, then you're, you know, you can't make money. You right. Can't get a job. It just it becomes really difficult, especially in the early years. And I was always very fortunate that, like, um, you know, I always had a lot of good people that always looked out for me and and would always like bring me back to earth. Like, mm. I started getting a big head or started chirping too much. They'd be like, "Shut up, man! Like, get to work." <laughs> you know, like, what are you doing? You still have that around you now to this day? Yeah, man. I, I, I mean. I don't, I don't, I try not to have friends that I, I, I try not to hang out with yes men, you know, mm-hmm. like I don't want people to tell me what I want to hear. Right. Cause yeah. Think about Seth too. You know, he's putting himself down a little bit as far as like the school and stuff. He may not be able to, you know, formulate a sentence on Instagram and we, we get on him about his grammar, <laughs> but he's a smart dude. No, you he's know, super definitely smart, smart when you talk dude. to him. Um, you know, as far as with people dealing with people mm-hmm. and, you know, intuition with people. Self-reflection. You know, and, and then looking back to with like family stuff and, and the kids he has, what he's done for niece, nieces, nephews, you know, and, and uh, you know, going forward, you know, he's had, he's had jobs, 
you know, good jobs. He's making this MMA thing work. You know, he, he basically is living the dream as far as doing what he wants to do. Right. You know, um, and he was working full time while fighting, you know, at the, at the very top, you know, and so, you know, he's making this life his. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, what's always important to me. Like, um, it's always important to me, like to, to be happy. Right. I've seen so many people with money, um, and they're, they're not happy. They're always looking for the next thing to make them happy. The next thing to make them happy. And, and for me, I mean, I'm, I'm simple, man. I like, I just want to be around the people I love and I want to be around people that make me smile. And I want to, I want to beat the shit out of all my friends. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I get those texts That's what I want to do. <laughs> so is fighting too kind of like an, an outlet, not as far as like, well, that's what a lot of people, you know, think as far as like, Oh, you need to go hurt somebody. And that's right. I get a lot too. Mm. You no, know, for me, it's an outlet that I have this energy and I need to work towards something and get it out of my system. Mm. Otherwise, it goes to other places, whether it's driving my wife crazy or right. it could go to drugs and alcohol right. or it could go. You either uh, like channel it in a good place or mm. channel it in a bad place because I feel like a lot of you know people that would even go into mixed martial arts has a weird drive about them and they have to direct that into the right place or else it's just could go really bad. Yeah. Really bad. It's crazy. It's crazy to me that people, and, and I ain't hating on it. If you like spin classes and if you like all the, all running the, the mountain, all the, yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you like, if you like putting on, uh, old spites and mothballs and going and hitting the mountain every morning, <laughs> Hey, that's your thing. Dog. Here. But, uh, but for me, it's like, I could be so mad that when I'm driving in my truck, I'm like cussing everybody out. Like, just so pissed off. If I'll go hit mitts or hit the bag, and I can't even remember why I'm mad. Like, I can't even. Yeah, I'm like, good. why was I so yeah. pissed off earlier? Like, I don't even know. And, like, for me, it just, it's it's like peace. It's like when I'm fighting, it's the most peaceful time. And everyone thinks it's so crazy that I say that, but it's literally. Nothing else matters at that point. Nothing's in your head. Yeah. Like, nothing. You're just moving. You're just trying to dissect stuff. And and you, you get such a camaraderie with, like, the people that corner you yeah. and the people that you train with and the the people that are there with you, like you don't get that in any other workforce um, that I've been in. Usually the only thing I get in any other workforce I've been in is like, I like to spike that dude's coffee. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, I think that comes with a, you know, a lot of friends are like in special operations or a lot mm -hmm. of veterans too. And they have that overseas, you know, obviously we're just fighting people in a cage, you know, there's more intense, right. You know, they're happy. They could, they're killing. could be killed right. you know, at any time. And they have a lot of that. Even when they come back, they're like, I miss feeling alive. And you can ask this dude over here. Yeah, right? I miss that. that camaraderie that, you know, and, and that fun with the, the boys or the girls or whatever, you know, when you're all together and going through something together, whether that's training for a fight and watching your buddies go succeed or whether it's in wartime and you're going out and some crazy shit happens. And, mm. you know, you're like, nobody else will know what happened except us, you know, right here. And right. we went through this shit, you know, so. Um, and then like he, he was saying, you know, with that outlet, you know, I call it kind of the dog needs to be walked. You got to walk the dog. Mm. I tell my wife that too. Cause I started getting crazy, like around the house, whatever I get like stir crazy. Yeah. She's like, what is wrong with her? I was like, ah, dog needs to go for a walk, you know, <laughs> whether that's, which she was fighting or, or what? 
yeah, training or just getting a good workout in and blowing it out. And then I come back. I'm like, all right, I'm good. Yeah. All po- the time, though. Positive outlet, you know? Yeah. Yeah, we talk about that a lot with our with our branding. Positive outlet for your DMs. Yeah. Right? Well, yeah. AJ in Apache Junction, they got a bunch of outlets. But it's more like, it's like Daytona 500 every weekend there. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> homies be partying. It's Friday. It's like... <laughs> It's last Friday too, <laughs> you know. What I'm saying? Tomorrow's like, Friday. Yeah. Seriously, let's get after it. We just go hard, you know. So, I mean, it's always worked for me, and just it, it, it. And that's fun too. I mean, we've we've partied together, have fun together, and uh, you know. But you just obviously there's a time and place, and get back to work. You get back after. to work. It took me a long time to figure out that I've tried partying every way possible right i'm just too immature you know not <laughs> i'm not responsible you. You enough stay away from to it party. all together <laughs> it took a lot of work it took <laughs> a lot of figuring good out with it he can come in and out i can handle it yeah i wish you know i'd be a lot better off if i didn't at all but like at the same me, time, square you, know, you guys call me a square though but then how boring would that be right here <laughs> <laughs> i'll be, end up running mountains at 6 <laughs> yeah there's my outlet walking the dog Talking about prostate cancer on a mountain. <laughs> Take us out with the little B story. I want to hear the little B story. Oh, Do you know which one I'm talking yes. about? Yes. So uh, I go down to RTL Sullivan's in Mesa. It's Thursday night. And I used to work a weird shift in. And I get off and, and I hear my buddy Little B yipping down the hallway. And I'm like, man, isn't that idiot fighting in like two days? Blacked out drunk. <laughs> T- telling these bouncers, yeah, I'm going to get them with a little B special. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't know nothing about fighting. I thought I did, but not at the time. And he's like, I'm going to fake a shot because you can be expecting the overhand right and the old double leg. <laughs> so I'm going to fake the shot and I'm going to come up with Little B special, old left hook. Oh, that's the trick. Yeah, he was like, <laughs> he's the little guy he's too. All he's, in four, on that. he's four eleven. He okay. tells girls like, he tell, he tell, he tell, he'll tell, he'll tell, real special. He'll tell girls like, "What's up, ladies? I'm Little B. I'm five three. And they'll be like, "No, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not, honey. You're not five three. So he's telling them, and I'm like, "Man, this idiot! Like, and I, I just don't want him to get hurt." And I remember yeah, he's two days out, and he's hammered. Yeah, I remember like the information superhighway wasn't as prevalent. So I looked it up when I was at work one time who he's fighting. The dude was like a pretty good kickboxer. Like he was a legit kickboxer. And I'm like, hey, dude, are you fighting this weekend? He's like, yeah. You're damn right. <laughs> I'm like, go pay your tab. Let's go home. Like I'm taking you home. I'm driving home. And he's like, he's like, what's up, SB? And I'm like, dude, why are you getting blacked out drunk right before your fight? And he's like, don't worry. I got it all figured out. And he's like, hey, you want to corner me? I'm like, you don't even have a corner? And he's like, nah. I'm like, whatever, I'm off. So I go down there, and he comes out first round. And, man, if he was just, he's probably heard this a lot. If he's just a little taller, <laughs> he would have, I think he might have slept the dude. Like, he gave him a good faint, and the dude dropped his hands, and he barely, he just punched right under his chin. <laughs> and the dude stepped back and left highs him. Boom! Drops him, gets back up because he's tough. Comes out, and I can't remember exactly how he set it up, but he hit him with another one. Whap! Left kick. 
out cold. Yeah. Super beat. Right after beat. the fight, he's like, he's like stiff. I mean, he's out. <laughs> yeah. He's like looking around. He's like, how'd I do? <laughs> Not good. <laughs> All right, let's party. All right. <laughs> like over it, you know? And, and, and that's what it always was. It was just like you're you're out competing, having fun. Right. And, you know, I remember just thinking, thinking like, golly, man, like, <laughs> don't worry about it. He, bro, he's crazy. So yeah, we got to get him in here sometime. Yeah. You're going to have to get a bigger stool. Yeah. <laughs> he can stand on the table like me. He would. <laughs> well, awesome, man. I appreciate you coming in, sharing your story to inspire some people. It's a great story, man. And thank you all for listening. Appreciate you listening to episode two. We'll be coming back with episode three very soon. Done deal. All All right. Thank you, Seth. This episode of the Finding Strong podcast has been brought to you by 8-Man Strong. It was recorded at 8-Man headquarters in Phoenix, Arizona. Finding Strong and 8-Man Strong are registered trademarks of the 8-Man Company USA. All rights reserved.